This is What the Flock Radio's Birds of a Feather. We are an indie music-focused show rife with witty, fuck-laden, insanely interesting, and unhinged banter. Our thematic submissions will confuse, infuse, and delight you while our fascinating, fun features fluster, flummox, fulfill, and thrill you. And, well, Christina deemed that I would uh, begin the show, and usually she makes such good calls, too. Her judgment judgment is usually so sound, but uh, I guess we all slip occasionally. However, you do the first self-introduction. Well, as you know, I am the vocalist for the dark alt-rock band Ascent, that's A-S-N-T. Many, many people seem to take it for a game. Some people never know. I knew for the first time, stuck inside these four walls. Open the door. I am a bluebird. I wish you'd see it's only me. I can forget the airs and graces. You gave me something I understand, but if you insist, I'd like to know someone somewhere has to know. I'm getting closer. It's the game that matters. Moonlight on the water, she has a rhythm. It's like a relic from a different age. I've just seen another sunset on my own. There is no end. There is no end. Absolutely terrific, and believe it or not, I nailed what you were getting, who you were doing this time, a lot sooner than Metallica, a lot. Really? Yeah, because the first, the opening was from the the Wings song, Love is Strange. (laughs) Yes. Baby, love is strange. And then after that, stuck inside these four walls, forget about it. That was brilliant. (laughs) And Wings is great. Come on, people, got to recognize. John Lennon, John McCartney Wings was a badass oh, group. Absolutely and, love uh, Wings. And uh, well, well, thank you very much, sir. I I am humbled by your kind words. Oh well, and I am uh, Professor B. Soup, uh, international rock legend, radiant savant, and uh, amateur wildlife photographer. And by that I mean I, I take pictures of ducks with my cell phone. Mm-hmm. And uh, I am uh, my own spirit animal. I think. Oh, yeah, excellent! Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. And uh, well. Coming to you via the interwebs from a satellite in the south side of the sky, we are birds of a feather. She's grinning over here. What kind of birds? A lesser-known breed called the North American Sound Chaser. That fits. you. Yeah. I love it. I guess this is a public service announcement to all good people who are looking around for something to lighten their mood for a day. Allow us to awaken you to our show. My long-distance runaround approach and Christina's sweetness make birds of a feather a big generator of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and you and I both know that fun is good for you. So if you're listening to or watching or doing something that makes you feel miserable by investing 105% for nothing till you're <laughs> lurching towards the gates of delirium, then certainly yours is no disgrace if you leave it and join us. Yeah. All we ask is a little time and a word of encouragement. <laughs> oh, shit. Tuning into the show could become your favorite ritual. It can happen, but it's your move. <laughs> she was in on that from oh, the beginning. Yes, you know? <laughs> I was like, you did not just do fucking yes. Right. Wow, that was fucking brilliant. And I love your take on that. Like, I feel like, you know... It was my idea back in the day, but man, you took it to a different level. I was entirely too serious about it. You make it fun and whimsical. 
I did not. I don't have that. I don't possess that. that. I wanted to use five percent for nothing so bad. And you did. It was brilliant. Uh, it was so great. Oh well, thank oh. you. So here we are, Professor P. Soup, the you know the guy who like makes records by himself, and Christina of the legendary, uh, as she said, the uh, yacht rock band Ascent. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, yeah. uh, what's We've up, never uh, been called that yet, but I guess uh, uh, us well, and like Foreigner, we'll go ahead and go for it. So we're off on another show, and, and this time I wasn't sick, so um, I was trying to figure out how to rationalize my lack of preparation. So this time I'm going to go with uh, a fugue state. Yeah, it's just for you Breaking oh, Bad fans, you understand what I'm talking about here. Okay. I, I, I'm still in a fugue state, so if anything goes wrong on the show, that's that's. What just you so you know, you one-time use only. That's your only get-out-of-jail-free card. Yeah, it'll be something else next time. Yeah, no, there's nothing else. Yeah. All right, so what are we going to talk about on Bird Banter today? What the hell is it? You don't have any idea. No, no, I never do. I, of course, know. I enjoy that. And we may have to do a little... <laughs> We oh, may whooshing. have to do some wishing today. Our wish sound effect is standing by. It really is. So today we're going to talk about a few, not all, but some of the best Led Zeppelin covers of all time. Nice. And no, there is no heart on this list. That's one of those two obvious things. Yeah, it's not there. So just to set your uh, set you off on the right foot. So some of these you may not know. So we're going to whoosh. I'm going to let you listen to a little bit and we'll whoosh a little bit. How about a little bit of it? And we're going to whoosh back. Okay. So the first one is Iron Maiden Communication Breakdown. Whoosh. Well, Communication Breakdown a la Iron Maiden. That was a pretty serviceable cover. Uh, no, it was actually, <laughs> I, it, to me, I don't know what the, the recording I heard. I don't know if it was live. It sounds live. It sounds like nobody would do a vocal that, mm, you know, mediocre in the studio. But it was okay. I mean, I, I was a, it was a, musically, it was very solid. Vocal was good. I mean, you got, I mean, if you're going to do plant, like plant wouldn't have even tried to do pretty much. I mean, it was an almost unattainable vocal on the studio recording. Uh, that was Dickinson, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very, very, very good. Uh, it was a very solid cover. I loved it. I was, it was, I was rocking to it. I, it was great. And you know how so, I feel about doing, Le- you know, any Led Zeppelin covers. I mean, I still am like, uh, I don't think we should have ever done Cashmere, but I've always wanted to do it. But yeah. it's, it's scary to do it. It is because it's, you know, it's never yeah. going to be that good. But I found it very, very good as well. I was uh, surprised by the vocal. Not that I didn't know that he could sing. But I really was surprised by how good the vocal was and that they stayed pretty true to the original. Again, you know, it's it's not nothing in comparison to that. But it's a really good cover. I was actually pleasantly surprised. It, it's re- Isn't it fun when uh, a band does a song that's so heavy that even a heavy metal band can't make it any heavier? Like uh, <laughs> Communication Breakdown, you really can't do anything with you that. It's, it's proto-punk that's metal right. from day one, there 1969. It is. Just like... Uh, this is one of those tangents that I should have caught myself before I made, but it's semi-relevant, so I'm, so I'm telling myself. But anyway, love that. was a good, solid Iron Maiden Wasn't cover. It? Nice work, boys. And and as you said, Zeppelin covers being really good like that, I mean, that's, that's a stretch. But, it is uh, a stretch. Yeah. All right, another one is Karen O. and Trent Reznor with Atticus Ross doing Immigrant Song. Wow. Ready? Mm-hmm. Whoosh. Whoosh. We're back. So now you've heard Karen O and Trent Reznor with Atticus Ross performing the immigrant song. What say you? Well, once again, the a, a pummeling Led Zeppelin song that pretty much can't be made any harder was given a, a really amazing and uh, innovative treatment. It was it's kind of like synthy, but the drums and the synth and the guitars are so heavy. It just uh, we listen to it. I swear on a cell phone. 
and it still phone. kicks ass. I mean, well, she's got a good phone. She's, she's a kid. These young, young <laughs> kids, they always have good phones, even though I have a good one now, finally. you know. Yes, we did bring him into the 21st did, century. drag me screaming into the 21st century. I will tell you, he did not have a flip phone, though. So anyway, sorry, no, but we digress. No, I had an iPhone, dude, but I know I got a, like, it's like, one you know, semi, generation, like two semi-contemporary. <laughs> so again, I think they did uh, true re- justice and reverence, too. This uh, the uh, pile driving opening to Led Zeppelin's iconic third album, uh, the Immigrant Song, and they just tore it up. Great vocals once again. Nice alternate treatment on the music, but it still drove hard. Two excellent Led Zeppelin covers in a row. This is absolutely this is astonishing. And I know you're not a big Trent Reznor, Nine Inch Nails fan. I don't understand that, but he's brilliant. Anything he touches to me just turns to gold. And any time he does these collaborations, it just takes things to the next level. These three should work together more. This was brilliant. It was well done. It was electronic. It was the best parts of being electronica sort of sounding while still holding true to the rock like foundation of it. It was just fucking brilliant, and I absolutely love it. I love it when people can, if it's an option, take a song and completely reimagine it like we were talking. Some of the Led Zeppelin songs you really can't fuck with. Uh, uh, but this one, they just took liberties in all the best ways. It's so fresh and it's so novel and, you know, again, great vocal. Can't can't beat it. I mean, it was great. This is a a very pleasant surprise. Another one. And I got nothing particular against Trent Reznor. I'm just not a huge Nine Inch Nails fan. Maybe I got a head like a hole. I don't know. But uh, it was uh, it. uh, That was excellent. If you guys could see me, I would have just broken the fourth wall when he said that. I looked over like, really? He did, just said that? just say that? I did. Did you see the breaking of the fourth wall just happen? If we did this on camera, you'd see the fourth wall broken often enough. Often. Yeah. And I think we um, <clears throat> are going to do a live show in the future. Um, yeah, our, we'll, we'll uh, talk about that more. But yeah, uh, Our management is uh, hashing out the details that's with correct. Uh, um, our other management. That's correct. <laughs> uh, those people are talking to other people, and they're going to work out some sort of contractual obligation to uh, make that happen. Which means, basically, Christina brings it up every other week, and I'm like, what? Huh? That's correct. We're going to do it. All right. So the next one is Heartbreaker, done by Nirvana. A complete surprise to me. Hadn't heard it, and we're going to whoosh. We're going to And whoosh. I'm going to hear it, because... This is uh, this one could be exciting. Are you ready? Yep. Whoosh. Okay. Whoosh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, it is not a bar at four o'clock in the morning. It's both studios at one thirty in the morning. There's there's just too much off air shit that happens to explain. <laughs> there's a reason we come back. I just like, can't wait wheezing till, <laughs> till you ask about this uh, this uh, cover. All right. So, is that what that was a cover? So now you. <laughs> you <laughs> now you've heard Nirvana's cover of Heartbreaker. What say you, David? Well, that was pretty raw and pretty live. Uh, and, and I was listening and listening. It's like, is there a vocal? And then suddenly, then I figured out what happened. I mean, they're up in Seattle. That's kind of like in the north someplace, isn't it? And sort of. <laughs> it's sort yeah. of. And, you know, up in the woods, in the, in the Northland, in the woods. I mean, they obviously... Uh, Bullwinkle is obviously providing vocals on this one. I mean, I'm glad clear, I wasn't drinking. Anything. There's clearly a moose involved in the in the uh, vocal performance here, and kudos to him. You know, I mean, I think he was he, great. He could have had a better mic, but it True. was it was so sloppy and such a hot mess. First of all, that I think it completely vindicates Jimmy Page against the usual charges leveled against him, which are not not unjustified, honestly. <laughs> And he admits it himself that he's terrible and sloppy, but we he love is. him. Yeah. He's the best. He's the, the sloppiest goat ever. He's super sloppy. He's super sloppy. Well, But then again, along comes Kurt Cobain and falls on his sword for his hero <laughs> and says, yes. you know what? No, no, no. 
Look no. at me. I'll, 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 again, I'll fall on the sword. I'll jump on the grenade here. Sloppiest yes. guitar player, it'll be me, and then my hero will at least be second place. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know I'm a huge fan of uh, Jimmy Page and Led Zeppelin and Kurt Cobain and Nirvana, but let's have a little fun at their expense. This was a this was such a mess. It was so awful. <laughs> I, I don't think it was. It was kind of a beautiful mess, though. How is it a beautiful? <laughs> that doesn't even make any sense. I don't it was know. A, it's just a, it was an... It was a painful mess. It, well, and, it, if and you were I, watching you know, them do it, it would have been great. No, it wouldn't have. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? It would have been, I'd have been like, fun. Why are we doing this? You should not be playing Zeppelin. Just get out of there. Look uh, at me. Just get out of there. He did it. He did it. You know, he sacrificed himself. Yeah, he fell on something. Yeah. I, I'm not sure what it was, but it, it wasn't the good. The moose fell on the sword, and I, they, they brought the mic in, and I think they what recorded the vocal. A moose may have sat on Cobain, which is what resulted in that horrible... Mess that was slop times twenty. He he would go that far to get the right. Uh, to You're get right. What to, get, to fulfill his vision <laughs> of the song, which was an unmitigated train wreck. It but really I, was. I kind of liked it anyway. I did. I, not. I know. I know. Yeah. Burn which burn, but it was actually yeah. pretty fun. To it me. really wasn't. No. Um. Yeah. That's the thing. You it was know. Very, you know. Very punk. You're like, oh, I hate the fray, but that was great. I mean, come on. Let's well, just let's just talk about things. Bullwinkle you know? sings better than the guy in the fray. Wow. Oh, shit. <laughs> Ooh, he didn't say that. I might have to pause the show. Which country did we lose? But don't don't be offended because we are so grateful to all of our listeners in uh, the places where they listen to us. And if you happen to like the fray, don't be offended, please. In the United yeah, Kingdom, David's just wrong. United States, United Kingdom, France, India, Japan, Canada, Switzerland, Belgium, Australia, Greece, and Singapore. Thanks for listening and, and growing uh, every day. And growing every day, living together, growing together. This is like Tell your friends, Shangri La kind of thing, and everything. No, and, we're, uh, are we played in Shangri La? Uh, that that's the one where it says unknown. Ah, uh, yeah, uh, right. Space station or Shangri La. That's right. One of the two, both, maybe both. We don't In know. The halls of Shambhala, the whole thing. Yeah. That's true. Well, now that we have agreed to disagree on that Nirvana horrid, horrific, awful, painful version of Heartbreaker. Thank God there was no fucking vocals. At least it spared me that. Um, what about Jeff Buckley doing Night Flight? Well, I have not heard, uh, as, as another surprise, I did not know that anyone had covered the first song on Side 4 Kids, that's what we called it back in the day, of <laughs> Led Zeppelin's masterpiece, Physical Graffiti. Let's hear, and this one has one hell of a challenging vocal, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if it was dialed back a bit, a couple of octaves lower, but let's hear, because they've been killing it so far. All right, ready? Yep, ready. Whoosh. Whoosh. All right. You heard it here for the first time, Jeff Buckley, Night Flight. Well, Night Flight. Well, the song after Don't I Make You Wanna Feel Right, it has that easy, choppy rhythm, but I didn't like the way the song began because he was doing that in the beginning. And then where, where it was just, where it was just kind of floating, the music was floating, and Plant is singing on the original. It didn't seem to work, but once he got into the second verse, it became just a beautiful thing. I didn't. I wasn't crazy about the way it started, but uh, it ended up being uh, a very fine cover. So uh, that was a surprise. Uh, he, he really pulled it out to the point that it was quite engrossing. So, yay, uh, Jeff Buckley! Yeah, Jeff Buckley has an amazing voice. He's an amazing artist, and he did it on purpose. He flips the script on purpose. He takes that driving and put it at the beginning, and then takes it out of the, that piece and puts it there to try to kind of pay homage, but also kind of flip the script. And I really think he's brilliant. And he is also the person who sings Hallelujah, the most beautiful version ever of that song. I will let you listen to that later, which is just incredible. He's just this beautiful voice and this great talent and gone too soon, blah, blah, blah. But I really like that cover. It's completely different, but I like that. I mean, if you're going to do it, 
You're never going to do it to the same degree of perfection that the artist does it. So fuck with it. Do something different. I try to never do covers the same. Now, that doesn't mean when I do a Zeppelin cover, it's not very true to them, but it's still my flavor, and I think that's how it should be. I, I think you guys did uh, take more creative license with uh, Nirvana, Smells Like Teen Spirit, and it, it ended up oh, being yeah. a really excellent cover. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but uh, it'd be kind of hard to do that to Cashmere, honestly. And you don't want to. Yeah, you don't you want to. You want to honor it. It's such a good song in its current form that you just kind of say, here's a girl singing it, <laughs> you know, and not not in an Ann Wilson way, but in, in an ascent way. So hopefully it works, but, you know, again, it's okay if it doesn't. Yeah, at one point, uh, Tori Amos uh, and Robert Plant both together did Down by the Seaside mm-hmm. on a tribute album called Encomium. I heard it once and never heard it again, but it was so radically different uh, by Plant's, uh, Plant's insistence of from the original that uh, it was uh, quite interesting, but I honestly don't remember how it goes. But that was unexpected, and like I said, a brief lag time in the beginning for me. I couldn't, I couldn't roll with it, and then it just won me and uh, took me uh, aboard that train as well, and it was, it was, uh, it was a great cover. Well... Damn, we're doing very, very well. So we only have a couple more to go because there are so many, but I just picked some of a cup. Well, I just picked a few of maybe my faves and some that I thought you might either like or hate. (laughs) So the next one is Four Sticks by the Rollins Band. The Henry Rollins Band? Whoosh. Whoosh. All right. Four Sticks, Rollins Band. And verdict. And just before we whooshed out, you heard me say Henry, the Henry <laughs> Rollins band, because uh, that's the that's what I'm assuming the Rollins band is. Henry Rollins. Yes, right? So correct. that was Henry Vo- Rollins. Okay, Henry Rollins, of course, you know the legendary career behind him was also uh, a radio host in uh, Los Angeles here for a short time. He's brilliant, and has gone on spoken word, word tours. And the uh, vocal on this song kind of lets you understand why he did that, uh, because. Honestly, it's, I mean, it's a very hard song. Four Sticks is a, a lifelong personal favorite of mine at Led Zeppelin. It's just a, it's a song that, even though it's played on electric guitars, suggests a lot more heaviness than it actually delivers. It's heavy in its writing. It's heavy in the timing. But this one cranks it up and just really blows the roof off with the song as it always seemed to promise to do. Only I wasn't in love with the vocal or anything. But it was fun to listen to, and I did enjoy it. Well, I loved uh, it more than the Nirvana vocal. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Rollins totally, I mean, he's, you know, he's not exactly Ian Gillen, but he's better than Bullwinkle. So, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I like this it's one a lot. got that going I for got, him. I mean, first of all, great, great call, great taste in songs. It's not one that gets covered a lot, but uh, there are a lot of uh, songs that are more common. But great choice, a personal fave, and... Nice work, really. I mean, it's not a great vocal, but what did you expect him to do? The Robert Plant? Of course he's not going to do that. Nobody could do that. Not with as much testosterone as uh, Henry Rollins could never. (laughs) (laughs) Not Mr. Beefcake, okay? Nobody could actually do the song like Robert Plant, least of all him. So, um, yeah, that was uh, was quite satisfying, actually. Not a great vocal, but I liked it, yeah. I liked it. I didn't mind the vocal. It's not not a Robert Plant vocal, but I don't expect a Plant vocal from anybody. So I thought it was really good. I thought it was kind of inspired. I liked how raw it was. I liked how hard it was i liked what they stayed true to i like what they took liberties with i thought it was great and the last one is thank you chris cornell have you heard this absolutely not oh my god do you have tissues around because this is this is i'm ready well i mean nasal secretion rags will double as tissues so yes go ahead and lay it on me and it's time to whoosh we're back well well, that uh, I understand that that's the kind of thing that would make some people feel a little bit clamped. 
Uh, it didn't do that to me, but I did. I loved it. It was uh, he, he played it so sweet and mellow and soulful. And uh, right at the, the optimal moment, that you to me are the only one part, he, he pulls out to stop, uh, does the what we know he can do. But the range of, of Chris Cornell, I mean, this is one of the hardest, gnarliest rockers there is. And in Soundgarden and his other acts and everything, but he does this beautiful solo acoustic song here that just tears your heart. It was uh, it was a great cover, very worthy. I think this is probably one of my favorite Zeppelin covers that I've ever heard. I just like what they did. I I just forget that there's an original version and it melts away, and this becomes a Chris Cornell version. Oh yeah, and they're two completely different things to me. And totally. We were just talking about how the uh, the, the Zeppelin version. Moving sensitive ballad or not has this incredible, you know, driving drum thing with John Bonham not to not turned down at all. I mean, it, it, it rocks along. And Chris Cornell's version was the exact opposite, and it was very stirring because of that. I think it brought out the beauty and the emotion of the lyrics because this is just a beautiful love song. Like it's it's the kind of love song you wish every man would at some point you're like oh i wish a guy would dedicate that to me if i was a little girl hearing that i'd be like i hope someday a guy says that to me you know it, it, it's just the most beautiful love song and it was done beautifully by zeppelin but this man paying homage to a band he loves in only the way he can and i just there's nothing like it it always makes me weepy every time and even more so now that he's gone so what I'm not facing the mic. Yeah, no, I was doing that because I was thinking. Um, <laughs> yeah, look that way to think. I'm sorry, I didn't know. Now I, I know. I don't want to think uh, in front of the mic, you know. <laughs> you don't want to think you're not the, prepared. The mics are so sensitive, they'll pick it that's up. That's true. Every time like, I do this, I'm like, holy shit, I hear that on the I mic. I know, you, you can know? hear it. I know, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, that's why I'm trying to be so careful. But, uh, yeah, great covers, all of those, actually. Uh, really? I mean, and we uh, only well, covered I mean, six we, yeah, we're we're not exactly on the same page as far as the Nirvana one. Yeah, I'm out. I mean, I would I'm definitely out. put it at the bottom of the ones we reviewed. I would tonight. put it at the yeah. not on the list. Not on the list at all. Yeah, buried uh, uh, the the can that the other ones is in is uh, correct. Sitting on top of the ground in correct. which the Nirvana version is uh, buried. Exactly, yeah. that's exactly correct. Well, okay. I think this was a really fun topic. I hope you think it was a fun topic. I hope everyone out there thinks, and maybe you wished with us. I hope you wish with us if you and hadn't heard maybe them. Maybe even listen. That's right. Yeah, take a listen and. You know, let us know what you think at boafonair at gmail.com. We want to know. Are you like, you guys are ridiculous. Those are all great. Those are all stupid. Let us know. We like to know. But then what the hell is next? Well, what's next is a segment you're doing. Uh-oh. Yeah, I know. It's getting crazy up in yeah, here. Yeah, you, you YTNTs out there, young things and tender, uh, go ahead and uh, listen to these songs if you're not familiar with Led Zeppelin. However, that brings us to the portion of the show where I... Pauses to look at format. Again. State the theme recap. Or recap the theme. Or state the theme again <laughs> via this recap. Um, all right. And uh, the theme of tonight's show is Free Bird. Once again, no content or no... Uh, no thematic no submissions, No thematic really. uh, requirements or criteria here. However, No punny requirements, no punny. Anyway. We were looking for progressive rock or also known as art rock, classical rock, or symphonic rock uh, in which uh, musicians abandon pop traditions and create music for listening Instead of dancing, although those facetious boys in Pink Floyd, you know them, how humorous they are, did uh, release an album of the greatest hits called the, A Collection of Great Dance Songs. No kidding, Pink Floyd did that. But um, they push rock's technical and comp- compositional boundaries. <laughs> Isn't that putting it lightly? They may use instrumentation, uh, usually more typical of other genres, like the flute, the sax, the violin, keyboard synthesizers, 
uh, of the uh, high-end variety. Uh, and they also shirk the traditional 4-4 time signature found in pop. And I'm going to just nod my head and pretend I know anything about time signatures because you, you would expect me to, but I don't. Uh, good examples are Pink Floyd, uh, the oft-discussed on this program, Pink Floyd. I love them. I love everything about them, including their lyrical content. They're and amazing. I love them too, Bruce. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. King Crimson. Yes, of course. I might have dabbled in them in my intro. Rush, Jethro Tull, Opeth. I don't know them. Uh, Porcupine Tree, The Pineapple Thief. Don't know them either. Well, there are this many prog rock are bands out there. No, I'm you're serious. outing yourself in. Ev- I, 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 I'm so ignorant. I'm so woefully ignorant of <laughs> prog rock. Apparently, uh, A Perfect Circle, Emerson, Lake and Palmer. Well, there you go. Stephen Wilson, that guy with the boring generic name who seems to remix all these albums uh, around. That's uh, that's remix. Something. Yeah, he does. He does remixes. Uh, no, he I, yeah, Stephen Wilson remixed Aqualung. I have his uh, remix of that. I mean, he, that's not what he does. He's a brilliant musician. She's she's literally hiding from me right now. She's got her face buried over on the other side of the the monitors there in both oh, studios. There is so much I have okay. to teach you, my friend. Yeah, I know, I know. I, d- I don't know a lot of this stuff, uh, but then again, you you know. You uh, you learned from a walking encyclopedia of these things, Mr. Bo- Mr. BB. I've also <laughs> done my homework. I yes. mean, uh, you said Stephen Wilson remixes things. That's pretty offensive right there. Well, that he, is does. N- he does. He does. <laughs> One time. <laughs> yeah. So then Stephen Wilson, if you ever hear this, uh, yeah. Okay. I'm sure your stuff is really good, Mr. Wilson. Mm, yeah. But you really, you really could have picked a better name, you know. <laughs> Anyway, so now we go to, after that disappointing recap of the theme, we go to, (laughs) hell yes or oh hell no, the results. And for this feature, we consider bands and determine if you're in or out. We also ask you to weigh in. We want to know what you think. And we asked you this time what you thought of Joni Mitchell. And I will say both of us really, really thought that this might be more polarizing than it ended up being. You know, I know that she's a national treasure. I know she's a legend. I know all those kinds of things. But I didn't know that everybody seemed to like her. At least all of our respondents said 100%, yes, they like her. Of course they like her. And that was a big thing, of course. Well, while she's a legend, you know, a a folk legend, if you will, um, I just expected more dissension in the ranks. Much more. I mean, especially with the jazz period. You You know what I attribute this to? Honestly, I mean, we seldom ever get this kind of result. I think this is just people being... Afraid, but you know, I want to encourage you listeners to participate in this and be honest. Despite the uh, the shocking inquisition that surrounded my selection of the Rolling Stones' sole deficient cover of "Ain't Too Proud to Beg," <laughs> where this uh, heretic was essentially uh, forced to recant on air, you know, and uh, Punkinier promised to dispatch goons to re-educate someone who didn't toe the line about Soundgarden. Don't let that dissuade you at all. Please be honest in your responses. You don't have to fear her. I will protect you from her. Yeah, be be honest in your responses, but don't be ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> totally negated. I tried. Okay, I tried. You know. And no one forced to... you. You recognized the errors of your way, and it didn't take that long. There was just, there was, yeah, it's just not the same. But I, I can, I understand that some of you could be fearful, and you could think, well, what will Christina think? And at the end of the day, it doesn't fucking matter what I think, but... Unless you're right here in the studio with her. Still doesn't matter what I think. Um, but, you know, I just will say, I mean, you, you can't, you, you just can't. You suck the soul out of a song. You, I, I can't have you do that. But anyway, Joni Mitchell, 100%. And I like Joni Mitchell, I do. I didn't say love. I really, really, really like her. I haven't delved, I think, all the way into her catalog the way that I probably should have. 
but what I've heard and what I what people have exposed me to I do like it's definitely the kind of thing I should like because mm-hmm. I like very eclectic female singers who kind of do what they want to do I just don't think that I am as folk focused as some people <laughs> who may need to people may need to be to really appreciate this and maybe that's my problem with Dylan's is because I don't have the folk gene I was not well equipped with that but I do like some folk I do I swear but I do really like Joni Mitchell and she would be a yes for me would she be a hell yes no she'd be a yes for me yeah see I don't have the like the jazz gene although I do like it sometimes it's the same thing with you and the folk gene I like singer songwriters of this sort and I really like Joni Mitchell, uh, and as I have probably mentioned once, twice, 400 times, that if all she had ever written was uh, Both Sides Now, she'd be a legend to me. I mean, you write one song like that and you're a legend, but she's got lots and lots of them. And uh, I understand her, vo- vo- her vocals are not exactly, you know, some people's uh, cup of tea. I do enjoy not them. really, man. Yeah, I, I didn't think so. I do enjoy them, rather. But uh, And uh, Big Yellow Taxi, come on now. I mean, help me. Uh, she's awesome. So a uh, lot, a lot of great tunes there, and she she's way up there. She's a hell yes for me, for sure. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I like it. I like that uh, you're a hell yes for the uh, Mitchell. So thank you very much for participating. And now we get to do the thing that we long to do all week or for many weeks and all the time, and that is introduce you to new music that you may not have heard. And in this case, it's going to be new progressive rock music. And progressive rock is uh, is an art form. It's really an art form that uh, I was pleased to find many artists are continuing. And David's going to talk about one of many. Right, from Manchester, England. I, I just love British acts. From Manchester, England comes a band called Lute. L-U-T-E as in the musical instrument, which I certainly hope you're familiar with. Uh, though you're not really going to hear a lot of lute in their music, but uh, <laughs> it uh, it is uh, pretty hard-hitting stuff, i got to say. And... Right from the herky-jerky, uh, not to be confused with turkey-jerky, uh, the herky-jerky drum intro and the really edgy prog metal riff, anxiety is the apparent uh, aim of the song here, and it will indeed have you squirming and spazzing and loving every second of it with its uh, pulverizing chords and shrieking guitar solos. It's, it's progressive in the way that Metallica is progressive, and I think they, you know, it's kind of like that. It's heavier than your usual, like Kansas used to say, the problem with progressive rock is the rock is missing. Well, it isn't missing here, that's for damn sure. Yes, yeah, so I agree with you. I really love the guitar work on this one. It just kicks your ass to me from moment one because of the rock metal prog thing. So it's, you're right, because prog doesn't typically have the metal piece, but this actually has that insert, which I really like the mix. I really like that a lot. Um, And that seems to be kind of a mix that's happening a lot more. So I'll be excited to hear more of that. And this one is driving and menacing and enlightened all at the same time. Like I was like, I was all over the place emotionally listening to this. And I enjoyed the harmonies and the inclusion of a female vocal. It was really nice because a lot of prog I've noticed is male vocals. So it's really nice to hear a female vocal. I really did like this song and I liked this band. And we had many, many prog submissions to choose from. So this is one selected by me from a whole bunch of them because it was really great and, to your point, David, different. It definitely is. This is not your typical... I mean, occasionally progressive rock bands get this heavy, like, yes, on like Heart, uh, For and, sure. uh, uh, Heart of the Sunrise. Because they have Steve Howe. Yeah, because they have Steve Howe. But, I mean, this is... this is anything. The heart, this is the, uh, the heart end of the prog gene pool. And we just love it. So from Manchester, England, 
Here is Loot with Fears.
Right Fears from rock metal prog band Loot out of the UK. And you can find them on Facebook at Loot Band. And that brings us to the feature we know as One Hit Warblers. And uh, for this feature, we discuss a one hit wonder that rocked either our world or the music world. And when we say one hit, we really have to qualify that, I think. And I know this sounds like I'm going to go off on one of my tangents because that's pretty much what I'm going to do. But um, Fair enough. many artists have one distinct recognizable hit, but it doesn't mean they necessarily never had any chart action afterwards. Uh, but if they're much lesser known, or in many cases, unreleased at all in the United States, uh, as is the case with many one-hit wonders, we're kind of overlooking that and we're counting it as one hit. I mean, if there's only one song you can think of. Yeah, it's interesting when looking at the list of one-hit wonders that there are sometimes household name iconic bands and artists whose success was largely off of the mainstream Hot 100 style charts, and quite a few actors, too, who dabbled in music but were primarily concerned with their successful motion picture careers like Bruce Willis and Eddie Murphy. I, I, I like Party All the Time. I'm sorry. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, she's shaking her head over here. I like that one. It's fine. But uh, it well, was adorable at the time. My girl wants to party, party all the time. Party all the time. Party all the time. time. The egg is the egg was getting some cobwebs wow, off look over at here. That. The egg's been, uh, grabbed been it kind out. of a growing dust on the shelf there for many weeks now. Well, today's one hit warbler was an actor too, uh, and first also. After two years and 250 episodes of an Australian soap opera called Neighbors, properly spelled with the silent U, Natalie Imbruglia launched a recording career in a huge way. Her debut album, 1997's Left of the Middle, featured the international super smash that I'm sure you all know called Torn. The album itself sold 7 million copies, making it, get this, the biggest-selling debut album by an Australian female singer, surpassing that even Dame Olivia Newton-John. Uh, Torn itself received three Grammy nominations, and losing out in one category to Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On. Blame Canada. I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, eh, it's... Uh, it's it's a good song, I guess. It's a beautiful and, song, but... Uh, Imbruglia herself is involved in writing most of her songs, but not this one, not Torn. Nope, it's a cover. Yep, it was written by the members of a group called Edna Swap. And if uh, if that's a real word, the meaning has got to be a lot more wholesome than what my mind is conjuring up. For <laughs> Gross. <laughs> who performed it... <laughs> <laughs> you made me go there. <clears throat> who performed it live for a couple of years before recording it. It was covered in Swedish, unless I'm mistaken. It was recorded in another language. I believe it was Swedish. And then again by another English-speaking act before Natalie Imbruglia took a crack at it and broke it wide open. And not surprisingly, as her uh, lovely, soulful voice melds perfectly with the haunting lyric, in it, the narrator reminisces about a man who taught her what it was to cry. And the song is actually directed at her new fella, who's apparently no prize either and doesn't seem to know or care what his heart is for. You're a little late, she says chillingly. I'm already torn. She went on to record four more albums, selling three million copies in total, which is not bad at all, the most recent of which was called Male, that's M-A-L-E, an album of covers of male-fronted acts such as The Cure, Neil Young, Cat Stevens, Tom Petty, and Pete Townsend. That's pretty interesting, actually. And neither did she give up acting, appearing in a number of motion pictures, including, in 2003, one very near and dear to my heart, wherein she played... Rowan Atkinson's love interest in the first film of the venerable spy spoof franchise, Johnny English. <laughs> and she is beyond adorable in it, an absolute heart stealer. And don't be fooled, 
Fooled by fools posing as film critics, they're lovely pictures all. Warm and witty and not low brows, so suck it, you haters. But anyway, it was great work from Natalie and Brulia of the album, and I guess it counts as one hit since, if, you know, that's the one you think of when you say her name. Um, it was number one for 11 weeks in the U.S., uh, airplay chart because back in those days you couldn't do the Hot 100 if you weren't also released as a physical single. Yes, like I said, it was the Stone Age, you know. And uh, it was the UK's 85th biggest selling single of all time. Now, if you think how many singles have been released, that's pretty damn huge, you know. And officially, the most played song of the 90s, the whole decade, in the UK. Officially, that's official. So you go, girl. One hit, but. She's had a hell of a career, uh, even though, like I said, uh, as far as globally speaking, universally speaking, she's a one-hit wonder, but uh, one-hit warbler, rather, and a very fine one. So um, what do you think about that, uh, Natalie, or that song? Um, That song was very popular, you know, when I was younger. I See, am, I thought I, that would have been your jam for sure. It's a fine song. Um, she didn't write it, which, you know, for you to have a hit with a song you didn't even write... So to me, it kind of sort of honestly invalidates the whole thing to me a little bit because none of her songs went to number one, just the cover. And it was it was sweet at the time. I don't love her voice and it's a little whiny. It's nothing where I used to lie. My inspiration has run dry. It's what's going on. It's kind of a Lisa Stansfield thing. And I like, well, oh, no. it's not as husky, though. I like, I, no, I love Lisa Stansfield. But yeah, uh, no, yeah. you can't even say those in the same sentence because Lisa's just a, she's a rock I send, star. I, I hear an, I sense another Inquisition yeah, is was, in the office. There's here. no way you can oh, say Lord. that. But I will say, I mean, it was wildly popular for her. I, I mean, she's a little impish thing. She's adorable, but I just, I don't get it. Um, I really don't get it, and I have not seen her act. But you know, for me, she didn't. She, she's a blip. You know, for me, I mean, maybe she's had little successes other places, but you know doing covers of people and making covers your thing you're kind of a big tribute man and i'd rather her make it on her own merits which is the hardest thing to do but um the rest of the songs on that one album which is the only one i know are actually quite good the eh, originals so. i listened to them i, I didn't like do them. much for me did you go to, did you borrow them from the library too no <laughs> no my friend had, you weren't even born back then <laughs> my friend had the tape oh wow you know? the tape like the cassette tape? the cassette tape oh awesome and i was like it's all right but i don't love it you know, all right. But she well, loved it. I caught it. it was interesting. But it is interesting, and she is a one-hit warbler and a very good example of it. And she was, I mean, honestly, she was always on MTV. She was on the radio every second. So, I mean, she's 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 the real deal. She's a one-hit warbler like uh, John Travolta. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I was saying, all these actors who had that one hit, Ugh. and a lot of them are totally, like, real sappy. Horrible. Horrible. Hey, but you know what? Don't give up on this baby. Oh, I'm out. I'm so <laughs> out. Dude, just... If you're an actor, just stay an actor. If you're a singer, stay a singer. Uh, my I favorite example of actor-singer... Richard Harris, MacArthur Park. <laughs> stay an actor, right? Oh, my God. I'm, I'm making your point for you. Oh, my God, yes. Please stay an actor for the love of all this holy. All right. Well, now that we talked about one-hit warblers, I'm hoping at some point that this will be a hit for them, but hopefully not one hit. One as in W-O-N, maybe a one hit, but not a one hit. This next band is what I am super excited to talk about. This is District 97. And the song is Ghost Girl. Now, District 97 is a band that Bruce and I have been following for years. Um, they definitely don't have their just desserts. And I honestly didn't think because they played such huge shows and stuff all over the world and opened for big people. 
I did not think they would respond. They were excited that we wanted to play them. And I actually kind of had like a what when I saw it come in. Uh, They're an amazing band fronted by um, an actual, it's funny you mentioned American Idol, fronted by a top 10 American Idol finalist. Uh Uh, So she is a very, very good singer. Uh, Really great band. Honest to God. You got to listen to them. They're so great. They're so inventive. They're from Chicago. And obviously they are prog rock. And when you hear them, that's what you get. They're prog. Ghost Girl. This particular song begins with a very soft and sweet yet very soft and sweet vocal but it belies a darker disturbing turn that comes quickly and i love it when songs do that i love when the prog bands bring in the vocal early it only adds to the impact and allows me to connect from moment one because it's a voice something most or all of us have it's it humanizes the song and brings me in this band is prog magic to me i love everything they do their movements their tempo changes everything it's the perfect blend of vocals, masterful movements, tempo changes, and superior melodies. And the classical inspired piano gives way to angular metal guitar riffs. That, and then they go back into jazz flavored chords. It's ridiculous and it's brilliant. This is 10 minutes and 51 seconds of time well spent. Ghost Girl.
Okay, well, that takes yeah, us to Forget-Me-Nots. All right, and for this feature, review couples that make or made music together. And this is my first time doing this new feature. You did it initially, and now I'm doing it, and I am super excited about this because the couple I selected was Paul and Linda McCartney. Oh. So their story is a really great story. They met in a club in London. And he was celebrating the completion of a little record you might know, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Just a little one. That no no long biggie. Ago. And she had traveled to England as to work to work as a photographer. She's a photographer. Well, she he, she was an Eastman as an Eastman Kodak. Yes. Yeah. So she's a photographer. Yeah. Um, and he invited her to the next club that he was going to, and she surprisingly accepted. So that's where their love story began in a club. Oh my God, how cute, right? You think, oh, there's this this big meeting, and she was, you know, photographing him. No, they were having a drink, and it was perfect. Wings was formed in 1971, with Linda following his breakup with the Beatles and the completion of two solo albums that he had. So, it it you know it was very cute because Wings was formed very shortly after they met. Well, not super shortly, but shortly after they met. And here's the interesting part: Why did they form Wings? Right? Because he kind of foreswore getting into a band again. He's like, "Fuck that! That sucked. <laughs> you know, that didn't end well." Well, he loved working with her, mm-hmm. and this is the reason he wanted to be in a band again. Oh my God, tears! Wow. I mean, holy shit! So he taught her to play keyboards. And they went on to create seven amazing albums. Ram in 1971, which yielded Uncle Albert. Um, 1971's Wildlife didn't yield any big hits, but, you know, it kind of fell flat, unfortunately. But the good news is 1973, Red Rose Speedway yielded My Love, which is a very sweet mm-hmm. song. In 1973, and, yep. Band on the Rung, Jet and Band on the Run, obviously title track. 1975's Venus and Mars, Listen to What the Man, man said. said. Venus and Mars Rock Show they yielded two great hits and obviously really created... You know, I guess their place, their permanent place, and like the kind of the music lexicon, really incredible stuff. Then they went on to do 1976's Wings at the Speed of Sound and Silly Love Songs and Let Em In. And Somebody's in, yeah. knocking yeah. at the door. Somebody's ringing the bell. Say what you will. Yeah, you, you love those songs. Oh, I, I love them. I, I love mean, them both. I think I love them both. Yeah. 1978's London Town with a Little Luck is what came out of that. In 1979, their final album, sadly, Back to the Egg, Getting Closer, was what was uh, the big hit of that particular one. Sadly, as we all know, Linda McCartney died in 1998, and they were together for more than 30 years in life, love, and music. And there's just the most beautiful thing. So as Linda was passing away, obviously he was there, and he was just giving her beautiful images to think of. And then she just quietly passed away. How beautiful to be so in love and to be able to be there together, you know, when, when you know, that, that love of yours leaves. And he said he cried for a year after she died. Yeah, I, I always thought those two were just the sweetest. And it was like their love was so clear. And I loved Wings and I loved the fact that they played together. And uh, the only time they were ever apart in their entire married life... Eleven days. Was in, was in the yeah, jail. In the jail. That's, it, it took jail for him to not be with uh, with Linda. They were so sweet. And, they, and mm. I love what they did together. And he credits her with a key hook break, whatever, whatever musical term I don't understand that you call, in the classic Bond theme, Hello, Live and Let Die... 
there's this funky little thing with uh, with uh, tricky keyboard uh, chords. He says that what does it matter to you? He says she wrote that part. So I mean that's a really big part of the song. That uh, you know absolutely brilliant immortal uh, one of their one of their best tunes to me. Uh, Live and Let Die. And so, uh, but I always thought they were just wonderful, lovely couple, and uh, it's so great that they work together. They have an incredible body of work, and I, I really, it broke my heart when she died because I knew how, how sad he must have been about that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, and it's, uh, I think it's a dream of every musician to have a band with their significant other, to create something with their significant other, so the fact that she didn't come, you know, to him into his life as a musician and he's like i will i will i will teach you to play this but we must create things together. i love working with you how beautiful is it you hear all of these marriages and all of these relationships that break up and they're like oh i couldn't stand me with that person another second oh my god you know oh thank god i got to go to work during the day so i could be away all he they wanted to do is be together i mean there's something so beautiful about that but it is definitely a couple we won't forget. And while he's happily married now, I mean, the love affair and and that life of love and the music it yielded is just unforgettable. So another exciting part of the show is not just the features. No, no, no. We're more than features. We're so much more than that. We are about the indie musicians. And again, this time we have selected progressive rock as our theme, as David announced early in the show. I think you might have another band and this one I actually found myself I spent a lot of time on Bandcamp listening to new artists and while we got many submissions I'd already gone out as part of my show prep and listened to a bunch of up and coming prog rockers and this is one of them and once again hopping across the pond the UK crowd's really keeping prog rock alive this band is the Emerald Dawn and the song is called and I stood transfixed. You know, uh, I hate to draw comparisons, but it really does start out like a lost Pink Floyd track with a, a world music rhythm that uh, creates an absolutely delicious combination. And I mean that uh, as the highest praise uh, for a couple of minutes. And then around then there's this really dramatic and yet very organic tempo change. It sounds perfectly natural somehow with some really tasty saxophone exploration and then it slows back down for some bass fun. And around four and a half minutes, we get, surprise, vocals. And uh, Renaissance Celtic-style female vocals, too, which I definitely was not expecting. And then what sounds like some really dreamy flute. And then a few minutes later, things get nice and heavy and intense for a couple minutes. And then back to dreamland. And right around the time you're thinking, this would be really perfect if there was an eloquent guitar break. Right about now, along comes an eloquent guitar break. It really doesn't seem it, but the song is 15 minutes long, and I sat transfixed, and I'm sure you will too, but what about you, Christina? What did you think? I am absolutely in agreement with you, and I am living for the sax in this song. It reminds me a bit of the sax work on Black Star, which I'm absolutely just smitten with. It took me so many places. Each movement opened something else in me. I swear, I just was along for the ride, and it was a beautiful journey. The flute was Perfect. Yes. An underused instrument today, but a huge player in prog bands, old and new. And at 7 minutes and 45 seconds, it takes a delicious turn. It's dark and it's tasty. And the synth work is remarkable and is used to perfection. Nothing overdone, nothing underdone. It's just perfect. And I love the understated vocals. They add another layer of complexity and release. 
I absolutely love this band. And as soon as I started to hear the first few notes of this, I was in. I listened for 15 minutes and I, I, I honestly, that song could have been another 15 minutes and I would have been in. The Emerald Dawn is really amazing. And I really highly recommend everyone go listen to them. Even if you're not into prog rock, trust me, they'll, they'll turn you. Yeah, this, this might be, this might absolutely be the one to gateway turn drug. you. Gateway drug. Yeah, yeah, gateway drug.
All right, now that you're converted to Proggyanity, that was, once again, the Emerald Dawn with And I Stood Transfixed. And uh, you can find them on Facebook at The Emerald Dawn. Woo! You know what time it is. It's that time. You know what time oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> All right, and well, we've been doing a lot of humming and la-laing. We sure have. Of late. But remember Various Songbirds? Well, it's back. The Various Songbirds Battle Royale is here once again. And for this feature, we name lines, not melodies, not a bunch of uh, onomatopoeia sounds or anything <laughs> like that, but actual lines from songs and try to stump each other in head-to-head battle. And historically, as some of you might recall, it's a lot more challenging. So, uh, and well, Dave has been merciless with and, me. And sh- yeah, well, merciless. you know what? We shall see tonight. Okay. Merciless. We, sh- we shall see tonight. Painful. Okay. See, tonight, honestly, <laughs> I mean, I know it's... I know it's not nice to say, I don't want to hear, but I don't want to hear that you don't know these songs, okay? I am being as oh. softball, cotton ball, nerf ball as I can be, so. Well, uh, but you go first, I believe? Yes, this time I'm going first. Well, are you ready? Ready. It's getting late to give you up. I took a sip from my devil's cup. I was actually thinking about doing this song. You were not. I, no, I was. I really was. And I thought, no, she'll never get it. I'll I wouldn't get it. it. Because but you love this song. I love this freaking song. It really doesn't have anything to do with Britney Spears, but I love the song Toxic. I always have. <laughs> I actually bought it once a long, long time ago. I, I love this tune. It's, that was a softball, yeah. Baby, can't you see? You know, the auto-tune vocal. Baby, the, can't you see? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's genius at work Toxic here. It just isn't hers, but uh, yeah, it's a great song. Like you can do a great song. Anybody could be put on that track and it would. Oh rock yeah, him. anybody. Yeah. All right. Let's see what I got for you. Softball, babe. Oh, you, you have no idea. Okay. We'll see. All right. Said this Are before. you ready? Take the glove off. Hold out your hand, and I will <laughs> oh drop <laughs> gently. And it, this, the cotton ball is so light and oh so airy, goodness. it will take several seconds to fall into your upturned palm. <laughs> you may have all heard this before. Yeah. And she goes, what? what are you doing to me? What are you doing, man? That's mean, man. I'm not you're sure I to... talk like that, but uh, if I do, you let me know. She's going to be she's gonna be <laughs> laughing and singing along when I get three words into this All one. All right. Well, I was there, and I saw what you did. I saw it with my own two eyes. I saw it with my own two eyes. Oh, shit. Do the first line again. Mm. That was only two lines. I, I, was, was, prepared. I was prepared to give you more. You I know? was there. I saw what you did. I saw it with my... I know I know this song. So you can wipe off that grin. I know you've been, it's all been a pack of lies. Wipe off that grin. In the air tonight, Phil Collins. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> See how soft that was? Fuck. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, I know that song. No no stinging from that one. No, there was no stinging. We'll see if you spank me with the other ones. All right, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Yet I still recall as I wander on, as clear as the sun in the summer sky... Boston, more than a feeling. Yes, <laughs> there is nothing. The there's nothing better than that moment where you go, "Yes, I know this song," know this and the one. look on your face. And is I'm hearing the best. Brad Delp's voice soaring in my head. You more know. than a feeling. Because remember, you said if you don't like Boston, I'm like, I love Boston. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. There Boston. ain't nothing wrong with some Boston. Oh, I, I, uh, too bad you couldn't be there, baby. You were a little too young, I think, at the I time. But I saw Boston and Mr. Hagar open for them, you know. Oh, yeah. my God. Doing the uh, the set list from the uh, live album all night long. Totally badass. Oh, my you know? gosh. All right. Well, Jelly Jelly is what I am. All right. Here's one for you. Soft as soft can be. 
Um, in fact, I'm going to tumble dry this one just to be sure there's no moisture. This this one is tumble dried to be sure there's no moisture to perhaps weigh it down a little bit as it falls oh, into shit. your hand. Okay. Oh All my right, here god! We go. Laying it on thick. I've been drawn into your magnet tar pit trap. I wish I could eat your cancer when you turn black. Hey, wait. I got a new complaint. You did not just do the hey, wait. Yeah, it's only three lines, you know. Hey, wait. I got a new complaint. Hey, wait. I got, I got a, a new complaint. complaint. Uh, Heart-shaped box nirvana. See how, how benevolent I'm being tonight? <laughs> no one's out to get you. <laughs> this one time. We'll see. There's still two songs to go. Who would hurt such a gentle lamb? Uh, no one's out to get you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll see I what happens I was slaughtered in cold one. blood in front of the audience we're, many we're times. We're going two for two here. All right. Are you ready? Yeah. Got to concentrate. Don't be distractive. <laughs> <laughs> distractive? What the hell? <laughs> yep. Spell check that fucker. <laughs> no, it's right. Distractive. It's actually a word, distractive. Yeah, I guess it is, isn't it? Yeah, okay. It's just, it's certainly not commonly used. So they get kudos for that. The old firm with, <laughs> with uh, Radioactive with Mr. <laughs> Mr. Uh, veteran of a Thousand Bands, uh, Paul Rogers. And you know, and one of my favorite voices Mr. ever. Mr. Jimmy Page, yeah. There was nothing that's going to compare to the Boston moment we just had, but that was a pretty good response. I liked that. Okay. I like- all right, let me see. Uh, I, I, I'm anticipating trouble here. This is where the, the, you know, the whole honeymoon is over at this point. What the point. fuck? For some reason, I'm thinking, based on what you've told me, you should know this. Okay. So, I don't want to hear it. No, I'm not going to say it. You better dial that down. <laughs> a million lights are dancing, and there you are, a shooting star. An everlasting world, and you're here with me eternally. I should have given you that line and another one from another part of the song because it is a tough one. It's not long on words, this song. A place where nobody dared to go. I know I should know this. I, I'd sing it, but that's that's like giving it. It's, that's defeat. I'm sorry. I really thought you'd get a place where nobody dared to go. Oh, okay, yeah. Now, I'm sorry. If it was a hummingbird, I would have got that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There were other ones that Zen would have worked do. as hummingbirds, but I ditched them. But I really thought this one would work Zen with the lyric only. Do. I am sorry. Okay, uh, the next one, don't worry, you will get the next one. So I believe in my heart of hearts. It's with complete sincerity. All right, so this is the last one for, is it? So here it is. <laughs> can't say this line without laughing. <laughs> One of those. Oh, it's... Okay, it's probably Kiss. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, I laugh all the time at those, but yeah. no. As sure as Kilimanjaro rises like Olympus above the Serengeti, I seek to cure what's deep inside. What? Wait a minute. Hold on a second. It's just that uh, I'm trying to reconcile the fact that there's a song that has the word Kilimanjaro in it. <laughs> I mean, you made that up, right? No. This is This is April Fool's. Right? No. Okay, um... Uh, Kilimanjaro, I can't think of in a song. I, the Serengeti was mentioned in a song by Will Smith, but it's not that. Okay, this is my um, this is my defeat. I the reason I picked that is it's the weirdest line yes! ever. Yes, but it is the line that everyone goes, "Oh my god, I can't!" But why did you have to put all that? And it's song. It's like ba 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 ba. It's like the one super huge line. Oh wait a minute, wait a minute. Somebody weird like Peter Gabriel, isn't it? Um, I, I I I'm defeated. Tell me. Um, it's Toto by Africa. 
Oh no, of course it is. I hear it all the time. I mean, like, it's like a, it's like so of fast. Of course, I heard that just a couple days ago. I hear it all the time. It's on some Spotify playlist that gets played at work all the time, so I, I hear it often. It's, uh, wow, that's, that's really why I thought badass. you would certainly, you know, and you'd go, oh my God, I should it's have, the lamest but at least, line ever. At you least know? it'll keep us, uh, it'll keep us even, you know, at least we'll have three, because you're going to get this one, okay? I've heard I got before. three, you got two, this is going to be your third, okay? Go on and hold her till the screaming is gone. Go on, believe her when she tells you nothing's wrong. Human is gone. Um, the only one, Melissa Etheridge, one of my uh, favorite of all time. See how? See, you I'm pandered. really I like trying. It. Thank I you pandered for the pandering. So big time. Oh, on you this so one. did. I totally did. All right, so we did good. We were sweet to each other for the most part. I thought you'd get the Toto one without a problem. Honest to God. I should have. I really should have. And I thought and you'd I picked get the weirdest Xanadu. Well, I don't think I know the lyrics. All I know is Xanadu. I, I remember you saying, I listened to it a million times. Yeah, but I... But you were skating. Xanadu. You were skating and dancing. I was skating and dancing. <laughs> I should have thought of that. With the, little, with the little barrettes, with the little strings like she wore in there, I had those. <laughs> That's what yeah, I was Yeah, you were skating. I should have known. You were young. Was, you were skating and dancing, yes. not uh, navigating the nuances of the lyrics. I was know? not. No, yeah. no, no. I was not. All right, well, I love these moments because this is what I like to call the best musical breaks ever, where we introduce another new band, and this time it is Vienna Circle. I love that name. And the song is Golden Sunset Roulette from Wiltshire, England. Yes, and of course, you guessed it, they are prog rock. Now I have to tell you, there is like a bossa nova in seven that is played on organ, and the guitar sets this song off perfectly. The song is mostly, honestly, dominated by the lead guitar that plays kind of, I guess, a jazz fusion. And it is technically proficient. I mean, really, with a lot of prog rhythms and jazz chords that give it that 70s fusion sound that I fell in love with. And it differentiate it, yeah, it differentiates it from more metal-oriented prog bands like the ones we heard, the one loot earlier that we heard. And in the middle of this extended instrumental is this beautiful and ethereal vocal over subdued instrumentation that really introduces you well to the Vienna Circle.
All right, that was Vienna Circle, and you can find them on Facebook at Vienna Circle Band. Nice. And this is another one that I went to Bandcamp and found myself. I really, really enjoyed listening to all these amazing prog bands. Really great stuff out there. Hearing good things about Bandcamp lately, gotta say, <laughs> gotta say. Uh, push, push, push for Bandcamp. Uh, <laughs> all right, well, that brings us to a feature you all know well, The Partridge Effect. Uh, for this feature, we look at family bands, brothers, sisters, dads, moms, whatever, if they're keeping it in the family. And tonight... Uh, the acting question here is uh, also something of a one-hit wonder. As I was saying, I found them on the list, and, and I got the idea from looking at the list. And I feel like such a doofus because they should have been the first one to come to mind as I've seen them twice in concert. Uh-oh. What the hell? You know? <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, hello. Yeah. Yes, there are three brothers from the middle of nowhere, which is the, was the name of their major label debut. Tulsa, Oklahoma, to be specific, which turned out to be a big hit for Isaac, Taylor, and Zachary Hansen. <laughs> yeah. I know they're not, Hansen, not Isaac, I... Taylor, and Zachary Mbop. The Han- <laughs> it's Hansen. Mbop. Now, think what you will of Mbop. The Hansen, I love that song. Yeah, hell yeah. It's a great song. The Hansen Bros are no product shrewdly contrived by some record label to divest preteens of their parents' money Mm-mm. and set them a shrieking at a concert venue near you, although Lord knows they did that. Uh, this is a real band. Isaac on guitar, Taylor on keyboards, and Zachary on drums, who write and perform all their own music. I mean, sure, they're not a power trio, and they do have some musicians fleshing out the band, but at times in concert, the three take to the stage by themselves and play a set on their instruments or huddle around a mic and lay down some uh, truly gorgeous harmonies. And I got to hand it to them. The band evolved and adapted admirably to lead singer Taylor's deepening voice. And starting from these, you know, you get that Michael Jackson thing happening, you know, Starting from that second album, began to produce considerably more mature material, which, you know, really should impress anyone. Some respectable hard rock and some raspy ballads that would make the replacements proud, along with some accessible pop and soft rock, too. Uh, the concerts I attended with my first wife's daughter, who was too young to go to a show unsupervised, were really high-energy affairs that I-, I loved every minute of, anyway. And the one in Los Angeles featured a pleasant surprise when blues traveler harmonica ace John Popper joined him on stage to uh, howl along on a tune that he also played on the the original record. And, um, of course, having to escort a uh, one of these uh, typical uh, boy band fan age girls to a show, I, I might have uh, ribbed her a little bit about the youth of the group at the time, because they were very young at the time. I might have referred to them as the Clearasil Kids or... Uh, <laughs> fair. It's fair. It's fair. Totally fair. Upon finding out that, um, you know, leprosy actually has a name. It's called Hansen's disease. And I would say to her, well, you figure that would be like acne or something. <laughs> oh, shit. Imagine me teasing a younger person. I mean, that you know, doesn't happen it doesn't sound ever. like me at all. I've changed so much. You know, I've changed. I would never tease a younger person now. <laughs> Unless we do a show together. I mean, it was and absolutely then necessary. She's yeah. can be can be destroyed regularly. Right, regularly. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I missed the last couple of releases. I really should go back and check them out because the bros keep it real. They deliver the goods, and they're a real family. They don't just play one on television like the Partridges. Come Although, on, wait. Well, there's a song that we're singing. singing. We were singing this earlier. Come, Come on, get, get happy. We were actually out doing this. Loving is what we'll be bringing. We'll make you happy. We, uh... 
something we go traveling together spread a little love and then we keep moving on that's right something always happens whenever we're together we get a happy feeling when we're singing a song we knew it we knew it perfectly before when we did it wasn't, i don't know when happened. it wasn't 3 30 in the morning yeah, I you know we're a little tired <laughs> i don't know uh, getting a little tired but um you know actually i'm being a little unfair because shirley jones and david cassidy are actually mother and son they are you know so it is a family really I mean, just the rest of those people who don't play or sing or do anything they just yeah uh, it's just it's like a like you know they're window dressing you know one-sixth of the family or some shit so i suppose they could have done the partridges themselves uh, anyway Hanson, I'm a fan, uh, if a bit, uh, if a bit lapsed. <laughs> so, <laughs> You're a fan from way back, yeah. and you know what? Remember, I'm a legacy fan. You but know. you know, you've got that whole thing. If they have one great song that you you love, you're in. And they had Mbop, so you were in regardless. Yeah, they got. Yeah, they got. You nice, just got to reconnect nice with them. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. Great, talented. Loved them from the beginning. I mean, I thought. I think at the at the beginning, I was like, oh, look how cute they are, and then I was like, oh shit, these kids can can play. And uh, Taylor can sing his ass off even after his voice changed. And uh, I, I really think that they're a great band. And I think Mbop was adorable. I love that it's just something that they said. And it was like kind of a family thing. I think that was fucking adorable. So I like Hanson. I'm not saying like I'm like, oh, my God, I love Hanson. They're fucking great. I, I think they're adorable. And I'm totally in. And not adorable because they're kids. Adorable because of the kind of music that they'd made that I fell in love with. I mean... You may say Mbop cheese, but I mean honestly, it's cheese. the Beatles could have done Mbop and nobody would have said shit. I would have said cheese. <laughs> yeah, would, yeah, but there's a lot of cheese in but the I Beatles. Mean, there's a lot of cheese and, in the Beatles, but it, it seems to belong too. I mean, I mean, it does. If you're into cheese, and I'm into the occasional cheese, but there's a that's lo- all you. Re- there's well, a lot of cheese on uh, in Wings albums, so I had a little trouble with lyrics. So I was like, oh, that's real schlocky. Well, no, I can't say. McCartney that. is is the cheese king. He that's is. Why He's schlocky. It, it was best when he was offset by Lennon. You yeah, know? and what was really great is I got down to the bottom of all the songs when I was doing that feature and it said at the bottom <laughs> wonderful Christmas time and I, I oh, got a little no. nauseated and no. I just moved on I did they not ha- use anything from that song they have a great greatest hits Wings does called Wingspan and I don't know offhand if wonderful Christmas time is on it we, we, God could I can hope only not. hope not could hope not but hey, it looks like here on the format you got to do a couple of things, so I'm gonna yes. uh, I'm gonna put my feet up here and. Uh, well, feel free, feel free. I dirt, certainly have I certainly I certainly have put you to work today. So there is one last song, and this is last but certainly not least, and this is by a band that was called Space Cream. I do not believe they are together anymore, but this is a worthy entry into the prog rock top five here that we have selected, and this song is called Feel the Light. Now. This band is comprised, well, was comprised of two people that you are familiar with. One is Savannah Pope. Oh, yes. And the other is Paul Booten, also known as Paul Lovecraft. Oh, I know those folks. Yes. Mr. Burn the Earth and yes. uh, Savannah Pope, who was uh, our guest on Butterflies and Hurricanes. Yes. Exactly. And they wrote this song together I quite some no time idea. ago. And they played it live. They are from L.A., and this is modern rock with prog moments. And I just, you know, before I even knew who wrote it, because I had to ask Paul, who wrote this? Um, I thought, whoever wrote this must be a Yes fan, because I am in love with the beginning of this song. The bass screams Squire, but with a hint of Levin, which I love. And I know that Paul plays bass and guitar, so I was like, did you play bass? He's like, I play guitar, and I'm like, love the guitar, too. And to come to find out, he co-wrote it with her. The staccato rhythms in this song create so much tension. And it is unexpectedly released when it kicks back into the transcendent 
chorus. It's so great at the very end. And Savannah Pope's vocals, I they are mythical occurrences to me <laughs> that cannot be confirmed and are certainly not of this world. She goes past the rafters and into unknown territories, honestly. Listen to the end. You you have to get all the way to the end. You will not be sorry, and you just may feel the light.
Okay, that was Space Cream, and you can find them still on Facebook at Space Cream Music. Now, just to let you know, Paul Lovecraft continues to do some solo work and collaborations with others, and Savannah Pope is still out making music. So while they may not be in Space Cream together, they are still out there doing their thing. So look them up separately so you can see what they're doing today. Well, my goodness, I can't believe I have so much going on here, but I do. I am now doing a preen break. And for this feature, we discuss bands that broke up. Why? Who started it? And the fans they left behind. Shattered. Shattered. Just completely and totally devastated. And the band this time is the Smashing Pumpkins. Definitely a band that I love. They were founded in 1988 and they broke up in 2000. Now, the main reason for the breakup was cited as Billy Corgan's controlling ways. Now... Anyone who has worked with somebody like that, I think Trent Reznor has been kind of called controlling and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it can really tax you, especially if you're a creative musician and you want to take creative license with things where you want to have a say. Yeah. Well, here's an example of just how controlling he was. So the recording of Siamese Dream, which was released in 1993, was a nightmare to record. So basically, Corgan's standards were so exacting Mm. That he scrapped their contributions from James Eha, who's a fucking brilliant, brilliant guitarist, and Darcy Retsky, who is an amazing bassist, and re-recorded the parts himself. So they're not even on the album. Oh, ouch. So the only person that's actually on the album is Jim Jimmy Chamberlain, which is the drummer, and Billy Corgan. How fucking evil is that? I'm sorry. You work all this time and you record and you leave. So that is pretty fucking bad. And again, you know, I've had many conversations with you about this. There's no way that without the collaboration of Bruce and I, that the songs would be what they are today. And I'm not saying that Bruce needs me because he doesn't. But what I'm saying is they wouldn't be what they are today because there's there's a, you know, he gives me the melody and I take liberties with it. Just like, hey, we wrote these songs together. Here's what I would play as the guitarist. And oh, no, that's not what I want. I'm sorry. It's called a collaboration, you know. So... I really find that very sad, but additionally, so that's just an example, right? So Darcy, the bassist, said she was having, at the time, a nervous breakdown, 30 panic attacks a day, and she didn't even know what day it was. That's how stressed out she was. She was given three months off to recuperate, but then when he wanted her return and she wasn't ready, that was it. So Corgan says Darcy was fired because she was mean-spirited and a drug addict and refused to get help. So whether or not that's true, they didn't talk for 17 years. Wow. Okay, so that's pretty bad. Now, James Eha played a show in L.A. in 2016 with the Smashing Pumpkins. And in 2016, Darcy says she considered a reunion with the band, and they talked for the first time in 17 years in 2016. So... But get this, 2018 comes around and she announces that she will not reunite with the Smashing Pumpkins, but shares that she received a contract which was then rescinded. Oh, whoa. Which Billy denies, but she says, hey, I was ready to do it and it was offered and then rescinded. Wow. So that same year, Smashing Pumpkins, 2018, announced their reunion um, that they called Shiny an oh-so-bright tour with James Eha back on guitar oh. and Jimmy Chamberlain along with Bates and Schroeder to fill in the rest of the band. Now, James Eha notably plays guitar in a perfect fucking circle, and he's a beast. He's so good. 
What a loss. Well, obviously, Corgan's loss is a perfect circles gain because when we saw them live, he just ripped it. He's just amazing. So, unfortunately, Smashing Pumpkins don't appear to be getting back together in their original state. But it sounds as if the band dynamic may have been the cause of some of the personal fracturing and ultimately the breakup of the band. But at least we'll always have those early albums. I don't know much about Billy Corgan, but you look at him and you picture, okay, this is a guy who could drive somebody insane. You know, just for some reason, what happens with bands is so strange. And sometimes they're bound together in strange legal circumstances, but they never talk again. Right, right. Well, it's too bad because they, what James Ehan, what what Darcy Retsky brought to the table was amazing. But if you're too much of a dictator and you have this narrow focus of what you want, then you're going to shut other people out. And you know what? Then you should be a one-man band or a one-woman band and do your thing and just leave the nervous breakdowns and shit to somebody else because I wouldn't work with anybody like that. And I don't know many people who want to, even if you are Billy Corgan. I don't want to deny the the visionary genius of a visionary genius, but, you know, they can be... They can drive people nuts and and basically get along with no one at times. It's just too bad because, you know, you may have a vision, but allow other people to make it a reality and to allow it to breathe, you know? You know, that despite all his rage, he's still just a rat in a cage. It's true. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Well, that's enough from me. No, it isn't. It is. It's just too much, actually. It was a little too much me. But who else is there? Um, you. Oh, me. Okay. Yes. Oh, I'm ready. I think after after that lengthy uh, lengthy reprieve there, I think I can <laughs> muster up uh, muster up the wherewithal to introduce the new theme for the next show. We have to give you something to do. Here's so something. Uh, we need submissions, folks, and we're gonna do some free, more free bird for you. And oh, we're talking about throwing the gates wide open really? here. Metal, metal up your ass. Woo-hoo. <laughs> Heavy. You did the metal up your ass thing again. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a, I didn't Over make it up. It's a saying, you know. <laughs> we need some more metal up our asses here. I um, don't need any metal up my ass. Yeah. I'm good. Heavy metal is a <laughs> genre of music inspired by American blues music in which people began to exploit the characteristics of the electric guitar to create louder, more discordant sounds. Uh, heavy metal is characterized by fast tempo, although not always. Sometimes the slow stuff is the heaviest, really. Uh, aggressive rhythms, grandiose lyrics. As one witty uh, rock critic once said, songs about dungeons, dragons, and their dicks, you know. But it's uh, not a, it's not all that, but they were kind of like uh, lampooning the, uh, you know, the that sort of band, the Ronnie James Dio thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, some of the descriptions of what metal were, what metal is, is we're pretty kind of offensive. They're like, it's about violence and drugs. I'm like, no, it's not. What, what is yeah. wrong with you? It's not about anything, you know. <laughs> I'm like, it's 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 a sound. It's not it's not a theme. There's not like, oh, the theme for all metal is violence. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, what? No. <laughs> I mean, yes, it's true. People who are drawn to uh, Norse fantasy uh, role playing <laughs> things and everything do tend to produce. A lot of metal potentially, yeah, but, I mean, you know, I but mean, there's a lot more it's not to exclusive. it, too. No, certainly not, certainly not. But it's, that's going to be your field if you, uh, you know. there it is. But, um, yeah, so there it is metal free bird. As long as it's metal, we'll take it. We don't care what it's about no. dungeons, dragons, violence, dicks, violence. <laughs> yeah, we don't care as long as it's metal. We dick metal, right? Dick on. metal. We're not gonna, we're not gonna metal judge. up your dick. <laughs> well, <laughs> ouch, as long as it's metal. Uh, which works best, uh, obviously, according to the old T-shirts and sayings that used to go around as a suppository. So that's your new theme. Uh, We're looking for some submissions, and we expect to get them. Uh, We do. Break out your metal. Tell your friends. Tell your family.
And now, uh-oh, now, now, as if we didn't have enough sadness on winging it tonight, uh, <laughs> now here comes another sad part. Uh, you mean winging it seven days ago. Seven days ago. I'm, I, that's what I mean, seven days ago. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> and now it's like break out the violins and the cellos because... Parting is such sweet sorrow. It is. But while the show is winding down... We are giving you what we call homework, and we want you to tell us, on a sort of pseudo-news segment, how yes or hell no versus. Now this is an epic battle. We are pitting two people against each other, two bands. One, Metallica. The other, Iron Maiden. All right. This is essentially the pecking order, only you do the, the deciding. That's you know. correct. And we'll tell you what we've decided yeah. Oh, yeah. as well. But yes... Metallica or Iron Maiden? You let us know what you think, and we'll tell you what we think. And if you don't agree with us, you're wrong. That's all. All right. And, and again, uh, feel free to speak freely. I will try to keep the uh, uh, the Inquisition and the re-educators away from you. Uh, don't be frightened by Christina over here. Yeah, I have to. Fa- I have to face her. You don't. Yeah, so. don't be frightened. Just do the right thing. And the Goon Squad doesn't know where you live. Okay. <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess it's time to wrap this puppy up in a neat little blanket. Uh, next, from What the Flock Radio's Birds of a Feather, is a new episode of Winging It. Uh, remember, your boys are coming at you every week. Subscribe to our feed at BOAF on air, both on air, birds of a feather, as in BOAF on air dot podbean dot com, and enable notifications so you never miss a show. Or subscribe and listen on your favorite platform, up to and including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Amazon Music, Audible, um, Deezer, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and more. And uh, well. Um, I think we've come to the, uh, we're going to the end of the line here, Wilbury style. And I think that only leaves for you to say. Wait a minute. I know you were hoping we were going to wrap this up in a little blanket, but one more thing. Before we go, I want to thank Bruce for picking all of the features tonight. I asked him what he'd like to hear as one of our number one fans, and he picked all the features tonight. So thank you very much. You made my job easy, and what a great show. In other words, he's officially doing much more for the show than I ever did. So, uh, <laughs> oh my god, oh my that's god. my take on it. That is not that's not what I was saying. I no, just I didn't to say you were him. saying that. That's my that's my thing. That's one thing. Not I can't true. I can't think of anything. But um, okay, well, whatever it is, I at least passed the the buck over to you with that, and that only leaves for you to say, let's get the flock out of here. <laughs> This has been Birds of a Feather on What the Flock Radio.